Today's scripture reading describes part of the reaction a group of devout Jews had to one of the first Christian sermons. The sermon was delivered by Peter on the day of Pentecost. That was the day when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus' followers. When Peter finished preaching, we're told that those who heard his sermon were cut to the heart. They repented of their sin and they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And there were 3,000 people who did this. Now, the scripture that I'll read for you will explain what happened next. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you have your Bibles handy, I invite you to open them to that passage and follow along as I read. Let's listen now to our scripture from Acts chapter 2. And these are the words of the scripture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, As they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Amen. Practically every area of life is guided by rules. Our government gives us tons of explicit rules to guide how we drive our cars, conduct our business, and pay our taxes. Our homeowners associations have lots of rules that define how we maintain our homes and what we can put in our driveways. Every school has a student handbook that outlines the rules and the regulations for their students. And our country is currently having a national discussion on the kind of rules needed to enable us to return to a more normal way of life while we're still living in a COVID-19 world. Testing requirements, face masks, and the appropriate number of people who can gather together in stores, restaurants, and churches are part of that conversation. Now, we establish rules to guide our life together. And whenever we start something new, we take the time to learn the rules and understand how those rules apply to us. It's what we do, for example, when we learn a new sport, like golf. You know, like any sport, golf has a set of rules. The United States Golf Association has outlined 24 specific rules that you should follow when you play a round of golf. But golf also has a set of unwritten rules that you need to know before you play. For example, you don't walk in another person's uh, putting line, You let faster players go ahead of you. You don't give advice unless you're asked. And you fix divots and rake bunkers. The idea here is that you don't need written rules to guide everything that you do. Now, have you ever considered that there are unwritten rules in the church? Well, there are. One such rule is that you don't sit in your neighbor's pew. Another rule is that every potluck dinner includes potato salad, green bean casserole, and fried chicken. I read an article this week where 
the writer said that the unwritten rules in his church include people must look like us, dress like us, talk like us, vote like us, sin like us, and believe like us. Now, he wasn't in favor of all those rules, but he acknowledged that if you don't follow those rules, you probably won't fit in. Of course, the problem with unwritten rules is that we are not always aware of them. Now, our scripture from Acts chapter 2 speaks of a, a different set of unwritten rules that guide our life together as the church. These rules, not explicitly stated by any commandment from Jesus, but they do help us grow as the body of Christ, and they help us see what's most important in living out our faith. Take a look at verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So one unwritten rule that we can take from this verse is that we should be devoted. We should be devoted to our faith in God. To be devoted means that we're totally committed. We're all in. And frankly, following Jesus isn't something we can do half-heartedly. We have to be fully invested in it. Now, we see a glimpse of this when Jesus encountered a couple of people who wanted to be his followers in Luke chapter 9. One person said he wanted to follow Jesus, but he needed to attend a funeral first. Another person said that he wanted to follow Jesus, but he had to say goodbye to his family. Jesus knew that neither one was fully invested in following him. And so he said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, this wasn't an issue for the first Christians. The early church was made up of people who were totally committed. They were devoted. Now, the Greek word used for devoted in this verse is proskaterio. It literally means they were continually devoting themselves. They kept on going. They persisted in their discipleship, regardless of any obstacle or barrier or hardship. Now, the same Greek word is used again in verse 46, where it says, day by day, as they spent much time in the temple. Now, spent much time is really a clumsy way for translating this Greek word, but the idea here is that these new Christians devoted themselves to worship and discipleship by gathering at the temple every day. They kept at it. They didn't give up. Now, this verse in the NIV is translated as they continued to meet together. While the Message Bible puts it this way, it says they followed a daily discipline of worship. These are all good ways to think about what it means to be devoted. Now, when people start the journey of discipleship, they're often eager to learn and grow. But as they mature, there can be a temptation to become lax in their commitments. They may even become lukewarm, which is a dangerous place to be. In the book of Revelation, we read about the church at Laodicea. They were criticized for being lukewarm in their faith. They didn't live with the same level of commitment that we see described here in 
Acts chapter 2. Now, Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 read, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, it says, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, the people of the first century would have known exactly what that meant. You see, there were hot springs near Laodicea that the people used to refresh themselves. This hot water was perfect for a great bath. But as the water from this spring flowed downhill, it became lukewarm by the time it arrived in Laodicea. It wasn't good for a hot bath or, frankly, for even a hot beverage. It was useless. Jesus wants those who follow him to be hot in their faith, or in other words, to be committed, to be devoted. This is one of the things that's important to our faith. Now, a second unwritten rule is that we are called to be students of Jesus Christ. Acts says that these first Christians were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And the focus of the apostles' teaching was on the life and the ministry of Jesus. And that's where our focus should be. We should want to know all we can about Jesus. Now, the early Christians didn't need to be told to do this. They wanted to study. They had a need for God's word. They were looking to be fed. And the Bible is clear on the importance of study. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. And Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall be successful. I think some people can be intimidated by studying the Bible because it can seem like such a hard book to understand. But, you know, there are many different translations that make studying the Bible easier. And there are a lot of good study Bibles that have terrific commentaries. These are useful resources to us as we do our own study. These are resources that we should use. But even when we're ready to to start studying the Bible, uh, people might not know where to begin. I always suggest that people start with one of the Gospels because that's the best way to get introduced to Jesus and his ministry. We Christians should want to understand Jesus. We should want to understand what's expected of us and how we're connected to God. We find answers to these things by emulating the first Christians who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Studying the life and the teachings of Jesus is therefore an essential part of our discipleship. Another unwritten rule that speaks to what's most important to our faith is the guideline that we should eat and fellowship with each other. Verse 46 says, They broke bread at home, and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, no one has ever told us Baptists that we have to eat together. It's something we've always done on our own. We like sharing food and fellowship with each other. And that's what makes staying at home right now 
so hard. I really look forward to the day when it will be safe for us to gather again for a meal and enjoy each other's company. You know, this kind of fellowship was known in the Greek-speaking world of the first century as koinonia. It's the kind of fellowship where people talk about their faith journey and other religious matters, as well as most anything else. See, the value of koinonia is that it builds people up and creates community. This is one of the important parts of living out our faith. If we're not practicing this kind of fellowship, if members of the church don't like each other and aren't spending time together, then something would be wrong. Of course, if we're honest about this, we know that there are Christians who don't like other Christians. There are Christians who shut out other Christians who are different from them in some way, like those who support a different political party or like a different style of worship or act more conservative or liberal or come from a different country. And some denominations go as far as not allowing other Christians to even participate in the Lord's Supper. I think it's a sad matter when people put up these kinds of barriers and refuse fellowship with other Christians who aren't exactly like them. But our scripture passage lays out a much different vision where Christians should be able to sit, de- sit down with each other and share a meal together. This is something that the Bible encourages us to strive after in our life together as a church. And a fourth unwritten rule that Acts 2 brings to light is that Christians should be grateful and generous people. Verse 46 says, They ate their food with glad and generous hearts. They were glad to be with each other. They were thankful for food and fellowship. They were generous. And the book of Acts tells us that they even gave to the poor, and some of them even sold their possessions and donated the money to the needy. It's through actions like these that they glorified God. Now, when you meet a person who's grateful and generous, you tend to like them. This is, I think, one of the reasons why the early church experienced explosive growth. They lived out the good news of Jesus Christ in ways that embodied a grateful and generous spirit. They showed people the love of God by sharing their possessions and giving to those in need. And that drew people in, which is really important to the work and the ministry of the church. Now, the purpose of naming the different rules of our faith, like the ones that I've described today, isn't to help us become better rule keepers, but rather to help us see what's important and then do our best to live into it. Abiding by these rules will certainly help us avoid some problems, but more than anything else, these rules will help us live as the presence of Jesus. Let's remember that the calling of the church is to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. And we do that best by staying focused on what's most important. So let's not get sidetracked because the challenging times in which we live Demand nothing less than this kind of focus. Would you bow your heads and join me in prayer?
Holy God, we thank you for the witness and the example of the early church who were truly devoted to Jesus Christ. I pray that your church today, including all of us, will live with a similar commitment by staying focused on what's really important. And I pray that all of us who follow Jesus will live in such ways that draw others closer to you. I pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.